Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. I'm Alex Gehring. And I'm Bobby Howe. I just realized the last two episodes, we started the intro with welcome back instead of just welcome to. Usually welcome back is after we bring on the guest, but the last I did it the last episode. There was a couple of weeks ago we did, and now we did it again. Well, I'm trying to be inclusive of the people that might be binging the podcast, you know, so oh, as I like right, right after they listen to they a previous right one. That's right. Welcome, welcome back. back. We're here again. Just welcome back. Welcome always if you're works. a first time listener. Welcome back if you're a regular. Exactly. Look at us. That's the whole deal. How are you, Bobby? I am great. Yeah. 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 Um, Why? Why are you so great? What's going I've, on? I've been home recently. Like I've not on the road. I say that as I was out of town two days earlier this week and I'm out of town four days next week, but I've been home. That's awesome. Somewhere in between there, I've been home. So it's nice. I love it. Now, what's funny though, is that my son, because it's summer break and his majority of his friend group are in the same neighborhood as my dad and stepmom live in is he's pretty much been living at their house, like spending the night and they're all day long. Like I see my son maybe an hour a week right now. So he's living his best life at Papa and Gigi's. So, you know, that's whatever. pretty fun. Yeah, that's good fun. too. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, Ooh, I got something. What? And by the time this episode comes out, actually it should be coming out a little bit after this. I was a guest on a podcast for Ohio Realtors yesterday. Whoa. Uh, you know what? It's really weird being on the, the other side of like them asking me questions and me yeah. being a guest and having to talk the whole time. What kind of things did they ask you? What were you being interviewed about? So their, uh, the name of their podcast is The Real View. And so they, you know, like we have the special question that we ask realtor members and then right. they have the special episode. Well, they have a question they ask at the beginning of every episode. And because it's called the real view, it's what's the best view you've ever had. That's how they start their episode oh, wow. with their guests. Yes. <laughs> you might not always want to know what the best views are. There could be some scary ones, I'm sure. And I had to kind of like decide what my, and I'm not going to spoil it. So maybe you'll tune into Ohio Realtors podcast, The Real View, and you can find out what my answer was. Uh, it comes out sometime in July. I don't know when in July, but <laughs> sometime in July, the episode comes out. And uh, yeah, it was fun. But uh, I spoke about goal setting, time blocking, and mindset. So. Well, so here's my question. We've got our podcast question that we ask every time, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, when are we going to have that episode? Oh, we're, we do that at the end of the year, usually before Christmas. So we do one a year. Oh, okay. so shows how much I pay attention. I didn't know that. And that was the voice of God, everyone, or the voice of Amber. Your choice. It's fine. They, surprisingly, they do not let Alex and I do this unsupervised. That which, thank God. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Would be a mess. It would be a mess. Hey, I've got a funny story. So uh, okay. on Father's Day. Uh, oh, happy Father's Day, by the way. A little belated. Oh, thank you. Uh, my daughter, Charlie, my older daughter, she was a pill mm -hmm. the, that whole day as, as she tends to be. You know, she can she could be a little a little wild. And then she uh, said, 
when we were in the car, she goes, I want to listen to something. And we're like, okay, okay. You know, what do you want to listen to? Usually it's like Dua Lipa or something. And she said, I want to listen to daddy on the radio Oh, because she's had to listen to some of the podcasts at like a long time ago. It had been a long time. And we listened to the one where we were talking about her on vacation and she lost her mind. She thought it was so cool. Even though I was like, she was horrible. But she she, she doesn't it was know what the word awesome. horrible means. No, I mean it was and, and I said it all with love. So it was right. it was really fun. It was it was cute. So I yeah, love that. Story. She was trying to figure out why in the world Jeff, who's Jeff? Why is Jeff on there with you? Who? Who's Jeff? It was funny. We all want to know who Jeff is, really. I mean, it's, he's a, so such a confusing individual, except not. I love Jeff. Um, so <laughs> what else has been going on? Good things in your world? Yeah, like great things. And oh, so I'm waiting on furniture. So I'm, I'm sitting in like oh. a, a new chair, but I still don't have like. For the way, when you, when you leaned away from the mic, no one heard the word chair. It was just. Oh, I'm waiting for a new chair or I have a new chair, I'm waiting on like everything else. And it's going to be like six weeks. So my chain that sucks. Oh, my did gosh. I, did, did we talk about this on the podcast? And but when we were out in DC with Missouri Realtors, we talked to some of our legislators, and they talked about two of the strangest things with supply chain that I was not aware of. And one of them is uh, collision repair or car repairs. We did talk built- about that. Yeah, okay. crazy. Did we talk about the glue on cans? Yes. Yes. Like so nuts. It's the strangest things that are a part of our supply chain issues. And I just, I, my brain can't even like wrap around, like we're going to have a food shortage because we just don't have glue for cans. Like someone break out a Sharpie marker and like Sharpie the, the barcode right on the side and write what it is. (laughs) So crazy. So there was a YPN event that we went to. Well, let's, let's be clear. We did not go to the YPN. I went to. You went to the YPN. You were talking about on the last episode, you were super excited to go to it. So how did that event turn out? It was very fun. It was awesome. We had a really good time. Recap what the event was. So the event was YPN Music Trivia Bingo. Ooh. And it was a blast. Mm -hmm. I realized that even though I'm pretty decent, like, Obviously, I'm a musician, and yeah, this should be like right up your wheelhouse. It should have been pretty good for me, but I it wasn't because really? apparently the music that I listened to from the '80s <laughs> is not the music that was widely listened to in the '80s. Shocking. So I, I mean, it wasn't '80s. I guess it was '90s in the '90s. Same, but like, and also Are you even alive in the '80s. I mean, seriously, I was not alive in the 80s, but like I listened to music from the 80s and it's not the music that was listened to in the 80s. But like Amber just pointed out, there was no 80s music. So that's why you sucked at it. Take everything that I just said about the 80s and apply it to the 90s, because the music that I listened to from the 90s is not the music that everybody else apparently enjoyed. Because you were listening to show tunes and orchestra music while everyone else was listening to pop. That's not completely inaccurate. And I I know it's not. I wasn't even being a smart ass. I also, uh, like, I started listening to 96.5 The Buzz so early on. So it was all alternative, like, all the time. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't listen to, you know, any of the 
mainstream. Yeah, I really yeah. didn't, even though 96.5 became pretty mainstream. But anyway, neither yeah. here nor there. But it was a really fun event and uh, the drinks were strong. Yeah, that yeah. sounds lovely. And then Andre won a raffle basket. Andre, Andre so here's what sucks. What? Andre won the first raffle basket. And okay. then I went to the bathroom real quick and they called the second raffle ticket. And sure enough, it was mine, but I was in the restroom. And so that's how uh, Sarah Rupp ended up getting the second basket that should have been mine. And wow, they didn't even give you, like you had to be present to win, not even if you're just in the restroom still in the <laughs> venue. So the worst part of that- No one stood up for you? You have no friends? <laughs> this is terrible. No well, one was, said, I'm Alex? Was, I think Sarah had already been announced. They didn't know what my ticket was. So the worst part of it was, I was, it should have been a quick restroom break, okay? Like a really quick restroom break, but somebody came in and and it's it doesn't happen very often. We guys don't talk much in the bathroom. Like you not. get in and you, you, you get the hell out, you know? That's right? But a conversation was struck, <laughs> which doesn't happen very <laughs> often. And I didn't know this person well. So I went, ahead. I was, I, so, you know, I'm like networking while I'm washing my hands and, you know, <laughs> answering questions and, and I was trying to be like a, a good Were you leader. recruiting someone in the bathroom? No, I wasn't <laughs> recruiting, but I was That's like, you know, I want you, you know, trying to be I'm a teasing. good, a good president, you know, right. oh my gosh, I come back out and I didn't get my <laughs> raffle that I should have gotten all because somebody wanted to network in the bathroom. I kind of feel like as leadership, you're automatically disqualified. I feel like that's actually yes. a thing. Also, they can't have both winners have the initials AG. Andre Gray, Alex Gehring, like we you know, had to like fair. switch it up yeah. a little bit. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Careful on the rules. <laughs> it was really fun with uh, YPN though. We had a, a great time. Bobby, what are you gesturing toward? Well, I'm gesturing towards the fact that I have a bit of books. Ooh. Oh my, a bit of books? You have well, book. books? You a have bit a bit of, of a book. A bit of a book. I have a bit of a book. That's, we now all of a sudden we're British. Bit of a book. Ooh. Okay. Did I tell you I'm going to London? I'm going to London. We'll talk about that in another episode. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I get to practice my bit of a book. Do, 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 do. Bobby's book. Bit. Casey. My cat's sleeping next to me. I was just trying to make sure she responded <laughs> to that or not. <laughs> you never know. All right. So I actually have a uh, little bit different book bit than I normally do. This one is like more like health related but it's a book called sleep smarter and it just gives you ingredients for a better night's sleep and how you take action on them like there's 21 different ideas in the book um my quote from the book is high quality sleep fortifies your immune system balances your hormones boosts your metabolism increases your physical energy and improves the function of your brain now I chose this book because I've been having a lot of conversations lately with people that just keep talking about the fact that they're just so tired when they wake up that they're immediately like the first thing they think when they wake up is, gosh, I just can't wait till I can go back to bed and sleep again. Now, I have thought that many times in my life. I have a very comfortable bed and I like going back to sleep. But since I started wearing a whoop device and I am not a spokesperson for them, I'm not receiving any remuneration. But there's a lot more focus on sleep. And I've noticed lately that I'm sleeping much better. And when I wake up, I have a lot more energy. So I wanted to share some of the concepts that come from this book. The first lesson is 
Um, light is both the best friend and the worst enemy of good sleep. And it talks about light plays a vital role in our um, essentially rehabilitation every single day or when we sleep and that we need melatonin because that's the uh, hormone that's mostly responsible for regulating our circadian rhythm or when our bodies know how to sleep. And one of the very best ways is by going out early in the morning and getting morning daylight and feeding into that sunlight, because that will help our body generate melatonin when it's time to go to sleep at the end of the night. It's one, and this book helped me understand one of the reasons why I love running when it's dark and the sun is coming up is that it's feeding into my body and I'm taking the energy of the sun literally into my body, which I know sounds like little hippy dippy crunchy, crunchy granola, but I've noticed the difference in my energy on those days. And the reverse side of that is that when it's time to go to bed, you should make things dark as possible because this will help increase your melatonin production. And then that's what will make you sleepy. It's funny. I used to go to conventions a long time ago before, you know, um, when I still had to pay every single penny out of pocket, we were trying to be as cheap as possible. Brian Copeland and I would often room together and he used to take um, the hangers in the closet for pants that have little snaps and he would put it on the curtains where the curtain rods in the hotel came together to make sure no light got into the room. And I never really understood that until I started reading this book. And I was like, we wanted the room as dark as possible. And I know my own room is super dark. Okay. The second lesson from the book is to get your timing right to make your sleep hours more effective. And what it talks about is our sleep is most effective if we go to sleep within the same 30 minute window and wake up within the same 30 minute window every single day is that a lot of people cheat their bodies on sleep during the week. And then on the weekends, they sleep to catch up, but that's actually, you don't ever really catch up on sleep and you start throwing your circadian rhythm off whenever you try to do that. So you should follow the same routine on the weekends that you follow during the week. And actually the best window of sleep for us is between 10 PM and 2 AM. That's where we get into the deepest sleep. And then, um, that's, where we have peak melatonin production. And then after that, we have rejuvenating sleep after 2 a.m. typically until your body decides, hey, it's time to wake up. And then finally, the best sleep happens when we turn our bedroom into a sanctuary for sleep. And the book actually talks about it's really important to have plants in your bedroom, particularly um, English ivory, which is one of the best plants for com uh, converting carbon dioxide into oxygen during the night. And that helps you sleep better. But it also talks about how you really shouldn't bring your phone into your bedroom, that blue light is actually really detrimental and you should just leave business outside the bedroom, essentially. So that's my book bit and um, called Sleep Smarter. So good book bit. I'm wondering about the blue light filter that you can turn on and whether that even does anything at all. I don't think it does anything um, because I think it's, it keeps your brain turned on. Essentially, you're not allowing your brain to turn off. Right. Even if it's not necessarily even about the light. It's just the action of doing anything. I, yeah. I agree. I agree. So we have a guest waiting for us and I'm so excited for this episode. So we're bringing on Michelle Dodery. She is a realtor in um, Virginia, really the Washington DC area, but I think she's technically in Arlington, Virginia. And she's just going to talk about, she's a newer agent. She's a 30 under 30. She was the same class that you were in hey, Alex, hey. your classmates. So excited. Um, she's going to talk to us about some things that she wishes she would have known when she got into real estate. So I'm excited to bring her on. Let's go get her. 
Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk. We're here with our guest and friend of myself and Alex, Michelle Dottery. Michelle, thank you so much for being here today and being a part of our podcast. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I so greatly appreciate being a part and just participating and chatting with y'all. Well, we absolutely love your energy. And I know that you have our guests or our uh, listeners are going to hear your energy today. Talk to us a little bit about your history. Who's Michelle? Where are you from? How did you get into real estate? What did you do before? All those fun things. Well, I am uh, kind of a anomaly in the real estate world. Uh, real estate was my one and only um, adventure into the business, quote unquote, world um, after college. So I was I born and raised here in Northern Virginia my whole life. Uh, even did not leave the state of Virginia to go to anywhere um, else for college. I stayed in the state of Virginia. So I, I am truly like the biggest fangirl of the Commonwealth of Virginia, if you could be. Um, and so I, I got out of college and to be honest, like I went to school for studio art and art history. I, um, you know, interned a lot in college in that arena and in that kind of career path. And I felt kind of like an outcast as you can kind of guess. I'm not your average, uh, studio art, art historian. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I, I stood out like a sore thumb. And so I was looking around at jobs to do because I, I, you know, was going to continue following that career path, take the GRE, go to grad school here at GW in the city, because uh, I live, you know, where I grew up was very close. So I was just going to live at home, go to grad school, all that jazz. So I, you know, went through ads and I went on a lot of interviews. A lot of them were just so boring and not exactly what I was looking for. And then I met this very, very vivacious, interesting 31-year-old realtor. Um, and she was like sort of a mentor slash like older sister type at the time um, that I was like kind of intrigued by. I was like, this is real estate life. Like, this is so great. Like, this is fun. Like, what are you talking about? And so working for her as her inside sales agent and quickly started doing like really well because it was basically just getting to know people like trying to build a rapport which I was pretty good at you know it took over time it wasn't an instant kind of thing and I had a good group of people I was surrounded by I had a really cool group of ladies that I was I was the youngest of the group, but I was just so much looking up to them and just kind of soaking everything in that when it came time to go to apply for GW, I was like, I don't think I can spend $53,000 a year and, and not do this because this is fun. Um, and so I just made the decision. And at the time I felt a little bit like a sellout because I wasn't choosing to go the career path at all of my, you know, majors in my, in my major were going towards, right. I felt mm -hmm. kind of, I was a sellout, but <laughs> paid off big time. That's for sure. That yeah. resonates so much with me. So a, a, a lot of people know that I was an opera singer and an, am an opera singer. I studied that in college and I felt so guilty when I got my real estate license. I Guilt was so real, was it not? Oh, it really was. I thought I was letting down all of my professors, and then they all wanted to buy houses from me, so it all worked out. But it's like, it felt so bad at first. It was weird. Yeah, it really, really did. But now looking like, 
now looking back, everyone, like even my professors are so supportive. Like they're so, but that guilt, it's worse than like any Catholic guilt, parent guilt. Like it, because these people, you know, they're so passionate about what they specialize in. Right. And clearly you spent four years in college going after it. Right. So you're semi passionate about it as well. So it's just, and see, I had the opposite. I got guilted into getting my real estate <laughs> license to help my mom. So, you know, it's, we all had guilt around our real estate license, just in totally different ways. So Michelle, tell us a little bit about your journey into real estate and how you ended up where you are now, because you didn't start immediately as a realtor. You started in a different role and it's progressed over the years. So talk to us a little bit about that journey. Well, I wasn't totally convinced I was going to become a realtor, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, Kind of like I fell, uh, you know, backwards into it. So I really enjoyed being an ISA. I liked booking appointments, but then here's where the frustration of that job came in is I'd book the appointments, amazing rapport with these people. Amazing. They would either not show up to the appointment or the agent would fumble at the 50 yard line and not get the client. And I'm like, how could you have not landed them? I don't understand. I literally was like invited to their bat mitzvah, like their kids bat mitzvah. I had like, you know, we like we were that we were having that kind of rapport. How did you fumble that so badly? So that's, you know, and it was it took a couple of times for that frustration to happen because I was told like, oh, this happens. There's some fallout between booking the appointment and, you know, the actual appointment happening. And I was like, no, there shouldn't be like, you should be landing all of these aces that I'm like booking for you. I'm not booking like fairway kind of buyers here that are like, you know, fly by night. Right. So that are like, yeah, sure. Maybe I'll buy. I only have a dollar to my name, but YOLO. But I mean, no, these were qualified. You know, I spent the time doing the qualifying questions with them prior to booking the appointment. Um, so I got annoyed, got out of that position, became a marketing director slash operations manager for another large team. Um, and then, you know, was training these realtors and all that jazz um, on the back end and was like, why am I doing this? And it was the leader I was with at the time because I was so, I don't know what it was. I was like in my own way, maybe of being too fearful. And that was a lot of mm-hmm mind work that I hadn't done previously or been cognizant of, of me being in my own way and being fearful of something that there's no be fearful of. Um, she actually paid for me to take my test. And that was also what scared the bejesus out of me was I have to pass this test the first freaking time. Um, and I have to be, cause she's paying for it. Like this is a lot of money. So she paid for my license. I was on her team. She made that a lot more trust me, probably a good billions. return on investment. Yeah. Yeah. really. <laughs> so I, uh, the first house I ever sold was in 25th, November of 2015, um, November 15th of 2015 to my best friend, Laura. Um, and yeah, it was, and that was the first solo deal I had done on my own. I love that it. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, it was so- like your talent showed up day one of you doing ISA stuff and being like, Hey, I've already developed the rapport. I've got these people ready to go. All you have to do is just sell them a house and they were dropping the ball. And just your immediate reaction was like, well, I'll just step in and do it myself. I, you're well, a go-getter. Exactly. You I always gave that, like, why don't you just get licensed and do this yourself? Honestly, it was the inner fear that I wasn't being truthful about. But um, 
it was also part of it was like, well, I want to really like learn this business backwards, forwards, left, right, center, and all the ways I can, because I want to be, when I enter the, like, when I enter the arena, I'm the best mm-hmm. in that, that day one out the gate. There's no learning curve. There's not me messing up on addendums. Of course, I'll always have questions because, you know, addendums change, contracts change, laws come up, all these sort of things. Um, but I was going to be the best. I was going to be the best at landing clients, open houses, follow up, everything. So Michelle, other than maybe not getting started sooner in, in being totally invested in you yourself, what other mistakes do you make early on in your career that, uh, that you learn from? Spending every penny that you make. <laughs> yeah, well, there's always We've that. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> Spending every single penny that you make because you think it's going to be an ever flowing fountain, right? Mm-hmm. And in a market correction, and I won't like if anyone ever says that S word again, if anybody says shift, I'm going to punch them. Okay. I will apologize for punching you, but don't say it. I, it's a market correction and it was what was needed. We, it was an abnormal market that we were living in. So mm-hmm. in market correction, I believe those who, believe that the the fountain of never unending deals and the easy sales would last forever. We're not living in reality or they hasn't previously experienced a real estate market where it was harder. You don't, you didn't grow a house and come in soon status and somebody sent you a site unseen offer, right? It takes strategy. It takes all that kind of stuff. So I do think we're going to see a couple agents experiencing not hard times. I, I don't wish any hard times on any of our fellow realtor mm-hmm. colleagues by any means, but I do believe they're going to learn the lesson of, oh, this is going to take a lot more effort on my behalf and be a little bit more cognizant and intentional with pricing, presentation, and every, and even pie. Some of my agents haven't had to do buyer consults. <laughs> like, one of my agents asked me how to write a home inspection addendum because they've never written one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like that was the market we were living in, which is right. insane. Yeah, well, that's you know, it's funny you bring up um, the market doing different things, market corrections, if we want to call it. We're not going to call it the S word because you take one letter out, and we already know what that is. Um, <laughs> but I think it's funny you bring it out because uh, we're, we having a guest come on right after you, the next episode, that'll be two weeks after yours is going to be Lawrence Yoon. He's going to come talk to us about what's actually going on in the economy. What do we actually need to be scared about or not scared about? But the other funny part of what you brought up was I've actually, some of the brokerages that I coach, they've lately said, Hey, I need you to teach my agents on how to market listings, how to negotiate contracts, how to do all these things. They've never had to do the last three to four years that they've been in real estate. They just literally never seen those things. And to me, that who's been doing this since I was eight, it blows my mind that there's people have never had to negotiate. Like what? Well, if you didn't think that you were negotiating even during this market, then you were living under a rock. That's the thing. Price reduction. Have you ever had to do a price reduction? Alex? There you go. Yeah, of course I have. I mean, (laughs) but yeah, no, you're right. They're not. I understand. And, and that's the thing. Like, I think we got very um, comfortable living in like a very quote unquote comfortable world. Was it comfortable mm-hmm. for buyers? No, it wasn't comfortable. They were literally chopping off their arms and offering them to the seller as like, you know, tribute before they yep. would be considered. So I, these agents just have to get comfortable with living in the uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which 
that's what it's going to totally. be for. And Lawrence Yoon is the most calming person you've ever met in your entire life. Mm -hmm. He could really say, hey, the apocalypse is happening right now, um, but we'll be okay. Like he's right. so, <laughs> yeah, he lives here in Northern Virginia. So I, I am only a stone's throw away from him. And I really, the man is the, honestly, we, we've always joked we were going to make a fan club for him because he's <gasps> like, right? Can right. we please? I will totally join your fan club. So, okay. So focusing back on let's, ooh, we get, we squirrel, Alex, shocking. I know we squirrel. Um, what are some advice that you would offer to brand new agents um, that just got into the business? Um, to hold tight mm -hmm. and take a breath. All will be fine. All will be well, but do find a mentor, find a good mentor that you trust and that you believe and that you feel confidence in, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that will shoot it to you straight. Like they're, you know, and who has of course time to spend with you. Cause some of these bigger producers sometimes don't always have the ability or want to be a mentor. But I would say find a mentor first and foremost, either it's either by joining a team um, or just identifying somebody at your brokerage or in your local association or heck, state or national association to be your quote-unquote mentor to kind of help illuminate what the next couple of months and year will kind of look like and just to be prepared you will still be able to sell houses you will be able to work with buyers actually a lot easier now you just have to be creative as far as financing goes so if there are any local or statewide buyer grant association like grants in general Get familiar with those and get familiar with those lenders who specialize and promote those types of loans. Um, for here in Virginia, we have the Virginia Housing Grant, which that is super duper helpful as far as down um, your closing cost assistance. We also have the Spark program. We have MyPAP. We have a couple different programs. I this week spent like hours on 11 different buyers who couldn't purchase previously because they were in these programs and couldn't compete that mm -hmm. now are in the game and are in the game aggressively. And you've kept them in your pipeline and you've kept communicating to them this whole time. So you're not going out and finding new clients. You're just finally getting clients into the homes. Exactly. Crazy I told, follow up. I told them persistence and patience. And they, a lot of them held the, that persistence and patience and now we're because those those uh, home edu home buyer education course certificates for them are good for years. Wow. Yeah. Tell us more. So tell us more about that because I know that we've got some of those programs here, but I like you say a lot of people haven't been able to utilize those at all um, for like a long time. Um, so in fact, I don't know that I've ever had one of my agents have a client use one. Um, so tell us a little bit more about that. Do you have or working are, with this, a lender to know what those programs are? Available right. Is the spark yeah. program, is that a national program? So it's a state program. State it's program. not a national Spark program will take, and this is my, like, and the, the income level limit where they max out at, especially for Northern Virginia, um, can be tough. Some people exceed that by a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. But you can be a normal home buyer, conventional product. 5% down and still apply for spark money and spark money. And you can only uh, get access to spark money. If you have a uh, ratified contract and you've done the home buyer education course, which is an online course. It takes like two hours. Um, and it takes one 
full percent off your interest rate. One oh, full percent. So in that's this, amazing. Exactly. So in I'm, this market, that's amazing. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like it puts these people back at a much more competitive space, right? Mm-hmm. Only thing is, it is kind of like you're kind of at like the 50, like, like you're kind of like at the 50 yard line, like waiting for the ref to blow the whistle because you're like, I've got all my stuff ready. Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're looking for houses. And it's like you kind of have to wait sometimes because we don't always have spark money. It's a grant Mm -hmm. program. Sometimes those funds run out, but not a lot of people have been using Mm -hmm. the program. I bet not a lot of people know anything about the program. Right. And I think I think that that gets back to what you were saying earlier. I mean, if you're working with a buyer in this marketplace now, you need to make sure that you have all the knowledge that you didn't have to utilize for the last three years. You mm-hmm. need to be sure that you understand how to market listings. I would say that the people that were uh, taking advantage of the fact that the marketplace was easy for the last several years, mm-hmm. when I put that in quotes, because I yeah. know most people don't feel like it was easy. But if you thought it was easy to sell a house and you took advantage of that, uh, and you weren't working hard, people are going to remember that. That repeat business might not come back to you. People know when you aren't mm-hmm. working very hard and they remember that. I really think they do. I think that's a big mistake people can make if they're not work. They didn't work very hard for the last year just because they thought things were easy. I think that their business will suffer in the future as a result of that. And feeding off what Alex just said, we recently had a YPN event and we asked some people what they would wish they knew starting out as a realtor so we could you know, ask you. And one of the questions was, treating this business like a job and working it from nine to five. Tell me about that. Is that how that works for you? Do you work nine to five? I don't work nine to five. I do work seven days a week. So, so, but here's the thing. I, we have the luxury, especially now. So it's so uh, normalized to work from home, right? Mm-hmm. So I am coming from our home office here in my house. So I do go to my office a lot and I love being in my office at seven minutes away, but I can get just as much done working here from the home office after I put Izzy down for a nap or for the night. And so I do like work probably off hours, if you will. It's not a nine to five. I do treat this as a job. I prioritize it as a job. Mm-hmm. And I there are set expectations with family members, with um, my friends, even through the 10 years that I've been doing this, that Sundays are typically reserved for open houses. That's typically what happens. So, you know, people will be like, Hey, I know, you know, you're probably going to have an open house, but we're going to go to brunch. Do you want to come in? If it's, you know, if it's a month out and I can plan for it and have coverage, if I have an open house, then we're good. But treating it and giving it the priority as far as a job, like, you know, knowing that like we are going to work a lot when people are off work. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my people are working from home, especially on Fridays. The government gives uh, their some of their federal workers every other Friday off. So I spent the better half of this morning and afternoon in showings, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just how that works. And I know that I'm going to be running comps later this evening after I've fed and put Izzy down for the evening. Um, and that's kind of what is expected. It, it, there's no way you're going to be like catching me at the pool, like lounging and be like, Oh, I'll get back to that email shortly. No, it's, I mean, we live in a world that people want answers, especially about real estate. I feel like, you know, even if we are experiencing this market correction, things are still moving at a pretty quick pace. Mm-hmm. It's not that everybody was, had become accustomed to, um, but things are still moving. So you still have to act quickly and be sort of, available, but you can also 
prioritize that and have boundaries, but I am the real estate funnel to my friends, family and community, you know? So I never want them to have a different perception of me. So they know that this is a job for me. This isn't a hobby. This isn't, you know, I'm not going to be spending months on end in Greece, Italy, and you know, all that kind of stuff gallivanting. And they know the importance that this realtor life and also being a realtor volunteer has in my business and what it's done for me. I, vo- I vocalize it. Yeah. What other things, uh, what, what about like finding a tax person? You had mentioned not spending every dollar that you bring in, right? What about some money management tips or uh, taxes or accounting or anything like that you can share? When did you learn that lesson? <laughs> 2007, I think it was 2017 that I like had the, I call it my black mirror moment, right? So I wanted to buy a house and, you know, you need two full fledged years of being a 1099 to purchase a house. So I was coming up on that. Right. And, um, I, and I was like adamant without buying it without my parents, which like, who cares? Right. Like they're not giving me money for it. They were just putting their names. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, but I was so adamant. It was more prideful like stuff, but, um, I, you know, sat down with my then team leader and he was like, you need to like sit down with like a true CPA. And he emphasized a CPA or tax accountant who specifically specializes in real estate and mortgage professionals exclusively because I love, you know, accountants, CPAs, they can give you all the advice in the world, but it's truly those who specialize in what our crazy, like, balance sheets look like and uh, <laughs> profit and loss statements look like, um, and that won't, like, literally, like, hair won't fall out of their hair. I will tell you, like, something, like, unsavory. He, so my tax accountant before, he, he quit smoking cigarettes over COVID, but for good, but he, he used to look at my stuff early when we used to like uh, meet in person for my tax stuff. And he'd smoke a cigarette right then and there in, in the conference room and just be like, Jesus, Michelle. And I'm like, ah! I, know, I know. Okay. Help me. Like, I want to be better. I want to be right with the Lord. Help me. So like, um, <laughs> you being stressed out about my taxes doesn't help me be less stressed about my taxes. Come on now. All right. Well, I do. We do want to be respectful of your time and somehow we're at the end of our time already. I don't know how that's no, happened. Not, how not forever. That's why that's yeah, I know we could do. We literally could talk because you brought up some stuff. I'm like, Oh, we could follow up that. We could also talk about all your social media because you always are so perfectly poised on social media. You're all over it. You're killing in social media, but, and then end with my last question which is we ask every single guest at the very um, end part of our interview is what else? What else should we be talking about? What else should I have asked you or Alex should have asked you here today whenever it comes to wishing what I'd known when I started into real estate? Um, getting out of your own head and starting to do um, some mindset stuff early. Like day one, you're getting your real estate license, start on your mindset that is a big proponent, I feel like, of how you treat this business and how you look at it. So instead of being like, oh, I got to go do this showing on Saturday, I say and reframe it in my mind. I am so thankful that I have the ability to leave my family at this time to help these people 
reach that next chapter of their life. Sometimes it's not that long, but I like to reframe it because it's a gift that we've been given because we're able to do certain things with our time as far as not being chained to a desk or an office for nine to five. Um, so mindset, do it. That's the first thing besides signing the dot dotted line at your brokerage or at your association when you get your license. I love that. I don't have to, I get to, and it changes everything. I love that. Thank you so much for your time here with us today. We've loved having you as a guest. We might bring you back on some other time to talk about social media because we could do a whole episode just with everything you do on social media. So Uh, so I have a whole video series about these different programs in Virginia, but it also can lead hopefully realtors in other areas to seek out lenders or programs and maybe be the voice of those programs and be Mm -hmm. special. Maybe that will bring out a whole different side of the business for you as an agent. And that's my hope. I love it. And the beauty of the area where Alex and I are is we're on a state line. So we've got Kansas programs, we've got Missouri programs, and we have the ability to create even more programs going up. So thank you so much for your time. We've appreciated you.